Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library podcast. This is episode 31. I'm Dama Taminawala. You know my co-host, Garrett McGillivray. Today, our special guest is Betty Wong. Betty is the head of capital markets for Colliers in China. She oversees all of the major investment transactions that happen in that market. And what we've learned is that China is relatively three months ahead of us with respect to their pandemic recovery. They already have stores opening. They already have retail activity. And we don't have a crystal ball, but applying what Betty's seeing to our Canadian or U.S. markets can give us a pretty good indication of how we might recover. So we found this podcast to be incredibly insightful and a rare opportunity to hear from a leader in a different market. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors, KMB Law and Mizrahi Developments. Thanks for listening. Great. Well, Betty, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's not often where we get to hear from somebody in other countries, another country. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, the first question is, can you tell us, can you give the people a little bit about your background? You know, who are you? Where are you? And what do you do? Um, okay, who am I? Um, I'm running the capital markets business for Colliers China. And um, what brings me to this, uh, this uh, position and to where I am, um, I guess has, it's a combination of a lot of things. Firstly, you know, the professional experiences. Um, the, my first time joining Colliers was well, way back then. It was back in 1992. And I started with retail before I decided to move into office and this office leasing experiences brings me a lot of understanding of uh, of uh, owner occupiers yeah. of, of end users and then i think you no know, leasing did not satisfy me anymore so i decided to um uh, also start working on investment but that was back in the early days and um, very shortly after I decided to do investment, you know, Asian, Asian financial crisis hit us. So um, I didn't really had the chance to do a lot of things. And nevertheless, I realized that it has everything to do with capital. And obviously it has also a lot of things to do with financing. Nobody doesn't do leverage if they want to do real estate financing. So I spent a few years working for banks, financiers, before I got the chance to come back to the real estate field and jump into investment. That really helped me a lot. So I came across with the understanding of the retail office market, with the understanding of the owner-occupiers, as well as how to structure the capital, and, and then before I move into investment. And then ever since then, that was back in 2007. So I've been in this investment position for the last almost 14 years now. 
Right. Don't guess wow. how old I am, please. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> I started my career really early without even knowing that I yeah. step into real estate. You you mentioned you mentioned you've been through three major crises, uh, and they happen every twelve years, right? It happens every twelve years if you count it. Nineteen ninety-seven, that was the Asian financial crisis. 2008, 2009, that was the global financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And then now the pandemic. It's right. almost every 12 years. Right. And 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 just for additional context, you now oversee a staff of, of how many and, and what's your transaction volume between your team? I have a team size of about 30 plus across China, mainly in five offices or five cities, um, sorry, six, okay, six cities. Um, certainly will cover what everybody so-called the tier one cities. For those four investors who are familiar with China markets, you know that Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen, these are how, these are what we classify as tier one market. It's so much like your Toronto and Vancouver. Right. And um, or the like of the New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle of uh, the U.S. Right. And then we also have certain um, top tier provincial cities, which are also the active investment market. So we follow wherever our clients go. Right. Right. And then just final question, what about your transaction volume? How much business do you guys typically do on the investment side? Um, of course, that number is up and down. Uh, I Rather than, um, it, it's, I don't know how Canada classified, you know, how you, uh, how you calculate your, um, your transaction volume, but China is so big. And again, like I said, the reason why we're in only six cities is because these are the cities that our clients are active. Right. So um, what we do is we track the transfer, transaction volume of those cities rather than everywhere. Right. And uh, certainly we also ref, you know, make reference to the RCA um, analysis and statistics. Um, but I, I'd rather talk about ranking. I'm okay. very confident. Um, to say that Colliers for the last 15 years constantly maintain at the top three positions. And sometimes we're in one, you know, for a year or two, and then we may, you know, take the second post and back to number one, or perhaps a bad year, we were probably at the third position, but we have always been the top three. Wow. Among all the, among the big five. Right. Are there any any Chinese national firms that compete against you guys? Very little. Very little. Very little. Um, um, If they are, I would say those might be the uh, freelancers or um, a very small firm and doing deals by connections, by relationships rather than like us with skill, with uh, the knowledge and professionalism and expertise. Right. Um, Betty, so I, I, you know, this is a real estate show, so we'll, we'll get into the real estate in a moment. Uh, first, it's May 12th, 
what is chi- what's happening in China right now? Um, are you guys still on lockdown? I would say we're pretty much back to normal. It's a great question uh, to ask uh, now, because just about more than a week ago, our uh, capital, which is Beijing, has also relaxed their quarantine code. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it's not for international travelers, but for domestic travelers. So anywhere within China to travel to Beijing before the relax, um, it takes 14 days quarantine, hotel quarantine. Okay, not mm-hmm. home quarantine. Okay, right. and it was just relaxed about more than a week ago, and now people traveling between Shanghai to everywhere within China, the low risk zones doesn't require any quarantines anymore. And except for perhaps two provinces, which is Hubei, which everyone must be, if not familiar before, definitely familiar familiar now. Right. Okay, that's Hubei province is where Wuhan is located, and Wuhan is actually a provincial city of Hubei. Another province is Heilongjiang, which you might not know, it's in the um, northeast corner of uh, China. So other than these two provinces, um, where, so Beijing, you may say, it's probably one of the last few cities that's been relaxed. Um, so we're pretty much back to normal, um, and the business activities have come back. Um, I think, no, I just read a uh, survey um, for the uh, for traffic in our shopping malls over the May 1st holidays. By the way, uh, we had five days holidays. It's a long weekend, starting from May 1st to May 5th. Um, So the foot traffic of the malls have been 70 to 80% recovered. Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, So I hope that gives you a know an, an idea of uh, how we've been recovered yeah i i uh i was watching an interview of elon musk and he was talking about how you know they have all sorts of factories in china and he mentioned you know we've we've already seen it happen in china and we know what's happening it's it, and now we're looking at what's happening in north america it's kind of like watching the same movie but in english <laughs> so, um, that's a good call that yeah good call. great analogy there <laughs> hey actually real quick i'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor green fox capital they're a boutique equity and mortgage financing firm that operates across canada they differentiate themselves from the rest by having some of the lowest mortgage brokerage fees out there Their goal is to work with you and your property to make sure you have adequate capital in place to meet the needs of your real estate strategy. Their team has closed over $5 billion worth of real estate financing in the past two years alone and have connections to over 300 direct sources of capital. I recommend you check them out at greenfoxcapital.com and send them a note about any deal you might be working on and get some good, no pressure advice. You know, I think think we'll be following your footsteps I think Canada relatively is in a much better shape in terms of how you control how you put all the measures to 
make sure that you know, make sure that it doesn't go out of control. So yeah. I, I do have confidence in Canada much more than U.S. Oh, yeah. well, that's, that's good. That's positive. Uh, I actually, I have a question about that later, but but first I want to go into, um, can you give us a little bit of an overview of like of each asset class and, you know, can we can we start at, at retail and kind of go through how that was impacted by the virus in, in China and then where it is now? Um. Well, I think let's talk about the casualties. I guess that's your question. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you no, know, I, I really, when it comes to those, um, the the uh, impact or the impact on each and every different sectors, I usually like to quote them by um, by comparing one to the others. I think right. the um, the the most casualty would definitely be hotel. Right. Okay. Definitely. Um, but nevertheless, hotel has never been an investment product in China. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, and given that we really have a lot of supplies, and it, when I know when it, it, for people who know China, um, they may know that over the last 20, 30 years, um, whenever we have a mixed-use land parcel. Uh, that's being planted for the, the basic parameters by the government before they put the land on the market. They always say they want a five-star hotels and you know and and five-star hotels cannot be everywhere. And um, so hotel is a casualty and shopping mall is a casualty. Did um, did I, and Betty sorry to sorry to interrupt. Did you did you start to see any sort of um, you know opportunities in hotels where was anybody buying hotels and converting them? Um, yes, which thank you for the questions. Okay, so um, when there, whenever there's a challenge, there's an opportunity. So hotel now, be, I do see that hotel then becomes an opportunity for rental apartment investors yeah. to convert them from hotel into apartments. And bear in mind that China doesn't have that market. Everyone knows that Chinese like to buy, 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 especially right. it comes to properties. Right. So, um, so, but for the last few years, in order to better control the residential market, we don't want the residential market becomes a bubble. The government has putting uh, has been putting a lot of uh, um, measures along with how to make uh, to uh, how to provide a healthy supply so um, we, we the government encourage rental apartment and uh, clearly a hotel has been a great product to convert into um, rental apartment you know most of the hotel has got the infrastructure yeah so that's uh, that's what we see and retail the same. I think yes, shopping mall has been a casualty. Although over the uh, the long holiday, the food traffic has been more than you know 70% recover. Um, I do see that community retail becomes a great opportunity. Okay, mm. it doesn't matter what you still need to do grocery shopping. Okay, right. and even if during the lockdown, the barber shops. No, the hair salon doesn't open, but once it's open, it's packed. 
yeah. everybody needs a haircut. Okay, you don't oh, want yeah. your you don't want <laughs> your uh, you don't want your wife, your husband to do not to try to do haircut for you. I I'm a casualty of that situation. Okay. Oh, you yeah. look great. You look fine. Oh, yeah. You don't look yeah. like a casualty yeah. at all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she must be doing a good job. Uh, well, okay. Um, so I think now for retail, um, community retail is definitely an opportunity, and and these are what I call the post uh, COVID nineteen um, implications. The, I think the community retail does provide all the fundamentals, things that you need. Okay, pet shop, barber shop, hair salon, kids yeah. education supermarkets these are the things that have always been in the community retail and they are sustained on that front betty in terms of retail do you see any spike in vacancy because of lost businesses or yes the majority of businesses wrote it out for sure yes for sure that's very similar to office i think now once we talk about retail Mm -hmm. let's touch on office so let's use office as a as a, a comparable um, certainly, you will have large tenants, okay? In retail, these might be the ones, you know, the chance stores, you know, the fast fashion, um, who will be able to sustain through um, the, 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 the low or no food traffic, or even right. the close down, the lockdown of the shopping mall. There will be also small tenants who just cannot survive anymore. And this happens not only in the retail, but also office. And right. certainly, you know, certainly all the tenants are trying to negotiate uh, happening, okay? I wouldn't say uh, it's still going, and I wouldn't say that, uh, that um, but during that few months, um, a lot of tenants um, going back to their landlords for concessions, um, Betty, just to jump back into the vacancy, um, what what is what would the average vacancy pre-COVID be for, say, the office market in Shanghai? And what do you ex- what are you able to estimate or or guesstimate effectively? Um, I do have the number the in mind. I do have the number in mind. I actually compare um, again, like I said, the six locations that my team are located again. Uh, let me remind you, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, and Chengdu, and Xi'an, okay? And um, interestingly, when we look at the uh, number eight, um, the Q1 statistics, we didn't see really a lot of uh, vacancy fluctuations. Generally, it's less than 1%. I would call that a structural change rather than you know, and the actual um, um, uh, change. Um, mm-hmm. And and the the mm-hmm. rental performance was also flat. I don't want to use stable, but at least flat. If we if we compare, then if we do Q on Q, quote on quarter um, comparison, um, I think. Uh, but it has a lot of things to do with seasonality. Um, Q1 tends to be the quiet season for China. Um, not only because of the Christmas and New Year, we have Chinese New Year, which is 
um, usually it takes, you know, it's two weeks holiday. And if you plus one week before and one week after, you pretty much have one month gone right. in Q1. Okay. So, um, so Q1 tends to be a, a, a quiet season for China. Um, and so I'd rather touch on the tenants' um, activities. Uh, we do believe that most of the tenants, if they had the plan to do relocation, um, they might consider to stay um, uh, and renew the lease and renegotiate the rental with the landlords. Um, and then I, and we also tend to believe that the landlords will want to keep all the tenants as much as they can, giving you don't know what's going to happen with the demand and how fast you can find a replacement tenant if you right. let if you let if you let go of them or one of them. Okay, so um, I think we will see more renewal instead of relocation for Q2, um, mm-hmm. but we also believe. That you know, with the fast recovery, um, and also China being almost the first you know, country that's stepping out of the uh, COVID-19, um, the activities will be coming back from the second half of the year. And 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 also, if you look at some of this uh, uh, forecasts by the different institute, research institutes. Um, I think I like to call Oxford Economics. Um, I think for, for this year, um, Oxford Economics forecasted China's GDP growth will be less than 3%. Mm. The numbers change uh, over the last two months. I think it has everything to do again with how fast we can fully recover. But for next year, that number is 8.5% GDP growth. That's a big number. So that definitely, um, and and that uh, gives a very strong signal of um, how we believe that the attendance activities will be coming back from, again, the second half of the year. Right. Right. Interesting. Um, Betty, I, okay. I, w- I want to do this quick because it's it's it, to dive to give too much detail would maybe be an injustice because it's only been you know two months since the pandemic started. But that said, can we go by asset by asset and just talk about maybe where cap rates were roughly and then where they are today? Um, before we jump on that, I think you no, know, we talk about hotel. Retail, which yeah. uh, touch on shopping malls, community retail, we touch on office. I think what I really want to highlight is this might be uh, some of the markets might be similar. We do see that number one, business parks is a very uh, stable market for its uh, user profile. Um, industrial leasing activities. Industrial office, low rise campus. Right. Okay, large, much larger floor play, those type of things. Okay, giving that technology companies are definitely you know has got strong demand. Um, you know, online servicing um, companies. Right. Um, and 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 plus um, 
software firms, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, uh, these are uh, and telecommunications. These are the companies that instead um, might have been um, having positive growth out of the pandemic. Okay, right. and secondly, that drives the logistic as well as the data center development. Right. Okay, especially in the continental market like China, Canada, and U.S. Right. Okay. So in, in in industrial, you're not expecting cap rates to change. I don't. I think more and more investors will you know if they did not uh, did not uh, uh, have did not put that on spa. They definitely will not will take that no will 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 try to catch this opportunity. And right. bear in mind that um, data center. You no, know, we talk about business uh, at BCP. We talk about disaster recovery. If there you know, wasn't a plan, this is definitely the plan. And we also talk about working from home. Imagine how you can work from home if you have a desktop instead of a laptop, and if you don't have a, a you know a cloud. Um, computing rather than uh, just uh, just uh, the, the, in the just the files safe on your desktop. I just cannot imagine how you work from home. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and then and then how about and for so so touch on the cap rate. Sorry, yeah, no, yeah. Touch on the cap rate. So, so I I think for now um, the good thing is for the transactions. Uh, that was committed uh, before end of last year, but only to close uh, in the first quarter. Um, we have seen almost all the transactions being closed without renegotiations. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, for this for this quarter, I think uh, we might see a. a, a, a a less active market since you no know, it really takes few months for you to cook a deal and it was yeah. literally no chance for you to do anything right. now for the first quarter you can't really travel for site inspections right okay? and that you can't really travel for due diligence right right um Nevertheless, I do think that we, we won't see your compression anymore. Instead, I think we will see your decompression for two reasons. Number one, definitely the risk premium. Okay, I think we all know that you now you need the return premium in order to mitigate your risk premium, right? right. We're in mm-hmm. the business. Um, so that's first of all. And second of all, it has everything to do with uh, the supply and demand. Um, we have, if you look at the across four major markets, again, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, uh, we see that Shanghai and Shenzhen has got, you know, this last, this and next year are the supply peak for office. Um, and then when it comes to supply peak and suddenly the demands are not as strong and active as what is as uh, before the you now the the pandemic, certainly you know you need it takes long it takes longer uh, to read you now to get to the stabilized vacancy uh, sorry occupancy and so on forth. Um, so that, that uh, I will see I I think your decompression will happen, 
and for, and um, we were at about four percent for grade A office. Four um, percent like, grade A office. Yeah, four percent cap rate. We talk about yeah. cap rate. We know we we tend to like to quote growth. Uh, sorry, cap, which is the NOI yield. Um, and um, so I think for office we might see across different cities, even though they are all tier one markets, we might see between twenty five to fifty basis point decompression through you know, for the next twelve months. Wow. Um, for um, retail, especially shopping malls, that may be a 50% basis point. 50 basis points, wow. And and what about uh, multifamily? We haven't touched on multifamily yet. Um, like apartment buildings. Uh, apartment, it's hard to say, because apartment, again, it's a new product in China. It's, we're taking baby steps. It's not like U.S. and you know, and Canada, um, and especially U.S. where you know that that product has been so sophisticated, and you also see a lot of REITs. Right. Okay. And um, so um, I think for rental apartment, it will be stable. I, I don't think it will. You will see any uh, too many. You no, know, you will see some change. I don't think we will see some changes. Hmm. Okay, let's chat about, you have some Canadian uh, investment groups active in China. Can you tell us about who those guys are and, and what they're up to? On top of my head, I think uh, Brookfield and CPPIB has been the two most active uh, right. investors, Canadian investors, but they're very different. I'm sure you all know, know Brookfield obviously has got you no know, very um, uh, uh, a lot of you know, different capabilities built in house. They're a developer. They know how to do retail, office, and they are also like very experienced fund managers. Um, so they're I will call them the smart capital. Right. Okay. Rather than just an investor. Okay. Um, so they will tend to like to do um, mixed-use projects with re retail being the um, the, uh, the anchor component, okay. Right. And um, and then you know, it's more of a mid to long-term investment, and rather than but they have not really stepped into greenfield development so far in China. So that's Brookfield. And on the other hand, CPPIB, and so it's there's no difference than any of the other pension funds. Right. Uh, they're, the, they're definitely the limited partners behind a lot of the fund managers. But at the same mm -hmm. time, they also like to partner with the fund managers to do uh, co-investment. Right. It, it, is there a lot of foreign investment into China? From say other countries outside of Canada, U.S., Europe. Uh, I would say yes. I would say um, more of the U.S. and the Asian. And if 
Before, perhaps five to six years ago, we have a lot of U.S. investors active. You know, the, you name them. You know, I can tell you what they have invested. Okay, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Carlyle, Blackstone. All, yeah, Blackstone, BlackRock. They're yeah. all there. But for the last five years, that landscape has been changed. We have seen more and more uh, Asian capitals than. Mm. The Western. Do, okay. do you think that's because of their administration? No, not so much about that. Not so much about that. I know. Uh, um, I think Asian capital were very close. Now, Asian is a very Asia is a very different um, market. You no, know, in terms of business, and it's also very different um, in terms of you no know, geograph. You no, know, if you look at you no. Know, it's very dynamic. We're so many countries. We're not like North America. Okay, right. it's pretty much Canada <laughs> and U.S. That's right. all. And we think, you know, look at and think about, you no, know, Japan, Korea, China, um, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia. Um, okay, right. just out <laughs> of my, on top of my head, seven already. Uh, India, sorry, I no, cannot miss them, okay, <laughs> so eight, so w without talking about the rest of you know, the others, we're already eight countries, we're very different, we are much more familiar with each other's market than if you need to you know, come all the way from US and and Europe mm -hmm. or right. Canada, right, so so I think it's it's very... Um, and plus, I think domestic um, Chinese investors over the last 10 years um, have also been active. If you know, Before 10 years ago, I think the unblock commercial real estate investments were uh, dominated by the foreign capital. Morgan Stanley was one of the biggest. Okay. Right. And um, and but now, if you look at that, Chinese capitals now um, are insurance regulatory relaxed back in 2009 to allow insurance premium to invest into real estate. So that's about 10 years. Hey, real quick, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Green Fox Capital. They are a boutique mortgage financing firm that really differentiates themselves by giving the best referral fees on the market. If you're a broker and have a client looking to get a deal financed, these guys at Green Fox Capital will not only get it done, they'll be giving you 50% of the fee as a referral. That means if you're a broker, you could be earning upwards of an additional $100,000 a year on deals that you're already doing anyways. And guess what? They protect your clients. Check them out at greenfoxcapital.com. Drop them a line about any deal you might be working on and see what they can do. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, the two questions, do you see any sort of uh, deglobalization are, are on major industrial. on industrial? Is industrial manufacturing out of country going to slow down? Uh, and then number two, kind of what are your predi broader predictions for COVID, the impact on the real estate market? For the long term. Oh, <laughs> big, big you plus. just can't now this question you know i just don't want to 
talk about any particular person, okay, or bring any particular name of the person. Oh, what are they? Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, I think the name is just out of there. I know, but let's just not touch on that, okay? Let's okay. keep it, you know, within. Um, well, I certainly do not hope to see the globalization. Okay, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, again, it's a demand and supply. We talk about our market, we talk about our own market, okay, but, and real estate market. But if we look at, you know, different markets and, and if we look at the entire uh, global as one market, it has also sort of different demand and supply. It has the lower cost in supply of labor. And it has the, uh, which that can be the supply, which also a demand locally, giving those are the countries that really want to create a demand for job opportunities. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then there are the more developed market where they, they you know, where they might have high cost of labor. That's which is not good for the uh, for you know for their product for their market, um, and that they they and that they are demand of spending, right, and spending at a reasonable cost, right. Okay, so so <laughs> so if we yeah so if we look so I, I no personally I really don't want to see glo- deglobalization. No, that no. will. I don't think anybody wants to see it. Okay, but do we see that as a business contingency plan? Yes. Ah, okay. 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 We definitely see that as a business contingency plan, giving, I think, a lot of the factories over the last few months, they will panic. Okay, they know, even if they want to go back to work, very shortly, they will run a shortage of inventory of materials. Right. Okay, so in no, and all of us no, I think business contingency plan. It again, if we think no, the global supply chain no works. Uh, before the pandemic, we have to think about no, what happens if it doesn't? What happens if it lasts for six more than six months or twelve months? How would I be able to still um, no maintain the li- the no certain level of supply and goods? Um, so, um, so we will, so we will see. Unfortunately, or fortunately, well, I do see that happens. Nevertheless, it, no, it doesn't have to be uh, uh, to the extent that it's deglobalizations. You can diversify your locations. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? You can diversify your location, which. I think a lot of people, a lot of business have been doing that over the last few years. Um, China used to be the fact, world factory and is still a, the world factory so far. Uh, but you do see that um, more and more uh, manufacturing business are looking to um, uh, diversify their manufacturing locations to uh, to south east uh, to. Southeast Asian countries, mm. okay, and you do see them uh, also um, uh, moving some of the production lines back to their home countries. Uh, for example, U.S. 
and then, but I, but then I, I also believe it has everything to do with again the supply chain. You can't just sustain yourself over there. Okay, you no, know, you need a you need a paper box. You no, know, you need you need a lot of things in order to get your laptop shipped to the next city, even if it's just one hour from the factory. So you really you can't just relocate yourself, and it's a big engineering work to move at least a, you know your. No, if now the no, let's just say no. Firstly, the last mile. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, at least you have to have those among you. If right. no, if if we're talking about the last mile of uh, of the manufacturing process before the goods delivered to the people like us. Right. Right. Okay, you... and what? So would that change the real estate landscape? Yes. You know, we have had a lot of uh, uh, inquiries uh, for industrial uh, over South uh, Southeast uh, East Asian countries um, and try to understand the industrial landscape there. And certainly those uh, um, business, those uh, manufacturing. Now, if they were to diversify or relocate, um, Think about it, you know, office space, uh, expats, livings, um, retail spendings, and even before that, hotels, business hotels. Right. right. So that changed, that definitely changed the landscape. Is there anything that you saw in China as the pandemic restrictions started easing off? Is there anything that you saw that surprised you? within the real estate markets? No, not really. <laughs> well, you're, you're too smart. <laughs> not really. No, not really. No, I I thought about it. I thought about it, you know, um, back in Fab, I know, you know, I, 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 even before it became a, a global pandemic, I've thought about it. You know, I, I'm sure I will get you know a lot of questions from our clients. Um, and the way that I look at it is always, um, you know, yes, we can talk about the impacts. We can talk about the negative impacts, you know, which everybody knows. But right. you know, what are the opportunities? Um, right. I, I think that's the most uh, important part of it. You know, and if I cannot think of any opportunities, I and mean, being as long as you know. Um, in the market, I uh, then then I think I will see a very standstill um, market with very minimal activities. But we have seen the you know, the activities coming back, um, and just just uh, for the last one week, my Beijing team has been so busy. We have a lot of investors uh, flying from Shanghai. Um, and Guangzhou or Shenzhen up to Beijing uh, once the quarantine code relaxed to mm -hmm. uh, see the market, to see the properties. Um, so they were have been running around and trying to manage their calendars. And right. we also have uh, Beijing-based you know, clients traveling to different markets. 
um, again, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Guangzhou to do the same. Okay, so um, I don't think I have seen any surprises so far. Right. Um, where, 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 I, where are the biggest opportunities? First of all, I think no, <laughs> our clients will pay so much, so much focus on the cash flow. Ah. Okay. Uh, you know, if you know, just now we talk about the uh, the tenants walk away. Okay. Right. And just now we also talk about um, you might have to renegotiate it, the rental for renewal. Everything. Now all these are the signs of less cash flow. Mm -hmm. So you really have to know how you manage your cash flow in a crisis. Um, if I'm sure they all have been doing that, but this is the time that you really have to be more cautious. You really have to do a, you know, a better management. Um, right. And then you really have to do cost saving while trying to bring everything up. Okay. And um, so uh, that's what I have seen. Okay. Right. That's, I think the post COVID nineteen, no, the, the there are certain uh, post COVID nineteen impacts. But if I look at them again, yes, we can always look at the downside. But I would rather look at the upside. We learned, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. All right. Um. And first, so cash flow. So the stabilizing, producing, um, is definitely something that. Um, uh, it, that's more um, um, of uh, the appetite, and uh, and then we may have to revisit what means core. Okay, mm -hmm. and right. we may have to revisit what will you know how we classify um, all the you know different definitions of our investment products. Right. Right. So, so I think those are also something um, that I am experiencing, and so I spend a lot of time to uh, uh, think, but also talking to all the you know, friends in the industries. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think this is something we all have to learn, and um, we all have to go. So the good thing is we are seeing the activities coming back and I hope that will be the same for your market. Okay. Yeah. Um, once the lock, lockdown, um, um, we, you know, is, once it's reopened, rather than the standstill market. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, um, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, my dear. You know, I, <laughs> I hope I can give you better answer. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm also learning through. Yeah. Okay. yeah. just like what uh, Dema just said, it might be too early to ask the question, but let's know we can do this another three months from now and we will know. Yeah. Uh, right. So that's yeah. uh, I'm very optimistic. I think to do investment, yeah. you really have to be optimistic. Us too. I think I, I'm hoping that in three months when we when we get back on the phone, we can have a podcast that has nothing to do with COVID. Yeah. 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 Betty, that's we just hit the one hour mark. 
Um, so, you know, that's, we've taken so much of your time and you've been very generous. So thank you so much over here. Not at all. It's 9 PM. So okay. over there it's 9 AM and, and, uh, yes, I'm yes. Sure you want to start your day. So, yeah, uh, definitely. yeah. So thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to chatting again. Yeah. Thank you yeah, have a good night.